Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Let's talk today about some of the mistreatment of African immigrants at the Ukrainian border. I'll try to unpack and explain what I know. I've talked to both immigrants at the border of many different backgrounds, ethnicities, and nationalities. Uh, This morning, I spoke to officials at the United Nations and other aid organizations, and I spoke to other people that are on the ground at multiple border points to multiple countries leaving Ukraine. I'll try to tell you what I know, tell you not only how I feel, but how I think we should process what we've seen moving forward. This is Sean King, and you're listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. Yesterday, I was on the road for almost eight hours. My family had to travel for Uh, a volleyball event that one of our children was in. And so we traveled from New York to Boston and back. And I had a deep conversation with my wife and uh, she's a doctoral student and uh, she's, she's not only smarter than me, she's a better student than I I ever was. And, uh, and, and what I realized talking to her is that uh, when you are a doctoral student, uh, your mind is really sharp. Like my mind no longer functions like the mind of a doctoral student. <laughs> and, and we were trying to speak about the current war in Ukraine. And we also talked about what that war means in relation to the apartheid that we see in Israel against Palestine. And one of the things that she, my wife cautioned me with was just how hard it is to talk about the morality of war, the integrity of war. We like to simplify war into good guys and bad guys. Uh, We like to simplify war into the good side and the evil side. And what I realized quickly in this conversation with Ray was that that's that's inappropriate. It's, it's short sighted. And while that fits into a tweet, while it fits into a simple news bite, it's not really the reality. War is ugly and wildly complicated. And right now, as you know, Ukraine has been invaded by Russia. Russia is dropping missiles and bombs Uh, They have invaded the country from multiple different points all around it. And today uh, they are ahead of us by, I think, 10 hours from where I am right now in Ukraine. Today has possibly been the worst day for Ukraine. And as of now, 
nearly 500,000 people have fled the country in less than 100 hours. And while the majority of them have fled through, um, through Ukraine to Poland, people have also tried to leave to get to uh, Hungary, to even uh, other surrounding countries, just to get out in any way they can. And that's my best advice, having studied this intensely over the past few days and spoken to so many experts that are there in Ukraine and in surrounding countries, I would encourage anybody and everybody who can leave, if you are a student, uh, an immigrant, if you are there visiting, I would absolutely encourage you to leave. It is a war. It is a very real and dangerous war. Uh, One of the most dangerous wars in the modern history of the world. We believe there have been thousands and thousands of casualties on both sides, and I think it's only going to get worse from here. And so the line, literally, the line to just cross the border at one point was over 50 kilometers long, over 30 miles long, which is... To a 30-mile line, we're talking about that line probably had, gosh, 150,000 people in it. And it was people in cars, trucks, buses, and on foot. The temperature regularly dropped below freezing. And I need to say all this because... One thing is incredibly clear to me, having followed, studied, and covered wars for the past 20 years, to say that people's nerves were frayed is an understatement. People's cars ran out of gas, and then they were left in their cars freezing, sometimes 25 miles away from the the border entry point. There are There are many videos and accounts of people walking those 20 to 30 miles in below freezing temperatures. And it's a really horrible, frightening, dangerous situation. And mixed into the 500,000 people who have already crossed the border, most of those people, 99% of them were white Ukrainians and Ukrainians don't necessarily see themselves as white. They don't necessarily. In Ukraine and around the world, people don't always check a box of race. They see themselves first and foremost as Ukrainian. And uh, so I'm applying kind of American terminology onto this situation. Ukraine is 99% white as it is. Okay. But there are at least 15,000 African students all over Ukraine, particularly students going to med school, where med school in Ukraine is very accessible and very affordable. People question, like, why, why are Africans in Ukraine? Well, there are lots of reasons, but people normally pursue opportunity. Opportunity in education. And education 
there is accessible and affordable, unlike most of the world. And Ukrainian med schools have been very receptive to African students. And then there are are their families, their friends and colleagues. And so there's a, a significant African immigrant population I've seen estimates around 25,000 people or so. Most of that immigrant population has decided to attempt to leave and flee to safety. A few thousand, it appears, have decided to stay behind and hunker down. Some I see have been advised to do that. Others just aren't quite sure where they plan on going because it's not only expensive but difficult for them to get back to their home country Many of them have been in Europe for a generation. They're not just all recent African immigrants. But as you've seen, when some African families and immigrants got to the border cross points and tried to get on trains and buses, there were ugly encounters there. It appears primarily with Ukrainian government officials and military officials and border control officials, and they were often denied entry and access to ways out of Ukraine. And sometimes we saw images of of African families with babies and children, and the temperature was, as I already said, was below freezing. And what they basically experienced was Ukrainian citizens, and let me frame it the right way, Ukrainian citizens and sometimes people who looked like Ukrainian citizens given better access and priority than anybody else. I say that because I've seen multiple videos of non-Ukrainian European immigrants easily crossing the border. And a lot of times the border control officials were just doing an eyeball check on who they flagged through and who they didn't. This will probably be what I'm about to say will probably be the first and only time, excuse me, that you'll hear. Let me just say it the way I mean to say it. My only sympathy, not for those who were discriminatory against Africans, my only sympathy for those who were trying to process people through is that it was about as bad of a situation as you can imagine. Your country is absolutely at war with one of the world's superpower and not hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands but hundreds of thousands of people are in line to try to get through the border and to make it happen as quickly as possible. They weren't doing robust records checks. Sometimes they were just doing eyeball checks and flagging some people through. And what that immediately meant was that not only African immigrants, because at first it was, it was easy for us to see these isolated videos of Africans and say, wow, this is anti-blackness. And it is. But what we learned quickly was that the videos we saw of African immigrants struggling to cross the border, I saw those exact same videos of Arab immigrants not being allowed to cross the border, Indian immigrants not being allowed to cross the border, 
other Asian immigrants not being allowed to cross the border. If you did not appear to be European, it could be a struggle. And then I saw people, if, if you had the right person with you who said, I vouch for so-and-so, then maybe you could get over. But if you were an, if you were an, an immigrant of color without people vouching for you, it was a struggle. If you were an immigrant of color and did not have a, a visa or other paperwork, it was a struggle. And generally speaking, if you were an African immigrant, you had particularly three and four days ago, and most of the worst videos are from three and four days ago, when people first began to flee the country, it is, there is still some discrimination happening. And while it's uh, 10 hours ahead, I saw multiple videos and read multiple reliable accounts of African immigrants and other immigrants of color saying, it is still a struggle to get across this border. We're still being denied. And what we've seen is the surrounding countries say, no, we have removed all visa requirements, all nationality and ethnicity expectations that, that it just be Ukrainians. Anybody that needs to flee Ukraine to cross, you can cross. But when you say that as a policy, from your government office that may be 500 or 1,000 miles away from the border, it then trickling down to being properly executed has been very slow. I did begin to speak to African immigrants that crossed the border uh, into Poland, where they were then taken to shelters alongside people of all backgrounds and ethnicities, not just African immigrants taken to a segregated shelter just for them and were then received by families and others who are taking them in as refugees. And I saw that not only in Poland, but in multiple countries, but it was incredibly difficult. And when you are an immigrant traveling the world, but particularly if you are an immigrant of a different nationality, and I'll just let me speak plainly. If you are an African immigrant traveling in a predominantly white country, it can be an elevated struggle because typically it is your embassy in that country that can really help you work through it all. And what we have found is that many immigrants not only African immigrants, and when I say African, I don't just mean Nigerian, which, and there were many Nigerian immigrants there, but immigrants from all throughout the continent struggled to get meaningful support from their embassy. And again, there are nearly 200 countries in the world. It's difficult to see you know, where of those 200 countries, if we are a developing country ourselves, where all do we have high-functioning embassies. And so if you're from a developing country and you're an African immigrant in a predominantly white country, doubly so if they speak a different language than you, it's a really, it's a really tough situation when a war goes down. It can be a tough situation in general, 
then inject a violent, frightening war into the equation. And it's about as tough as it gets. Thankfully, thankfully, there are now many more humanitarian organizations right there at those border checkpoints. Again, this all happened very quickly. And many of the world's experts did not expect, up until Russia literally invaded Ukraine, many of the world's experts did not expect it to happen. And so even though some in the American intelligence community were saying, it's, it's happening, y'all, it's going to happen, get out as quickly as you can, many in Ukraine and many around the world just didn't think this was going to happen. Because I saw many people say, like, why didn't you leave before the war started? Many experts just did not believe this. How it's happening now did not believe that it was going to go down like this. And so people really did not begin to flee until after, not in these numbers, until after the war already started. And so I am trying to help in every way I know and uh, will continue to do the very best that I can to try to match people in need with the organizations that are in their location to help. We are reluctant to publish that information, particularly on a page like mine, because we then know that they'll be spammed with hate groups and everybody else with fake emails and fake phone calls. But behind the scenes, we're doing the best that we can just to make sure that the right people and organizations are where they need to be to help those that are in need. I'll close with this thought and everything I've said today, you know, I'm, I am trying to give my best, most respectful thoughts about it. But when many of us, myself included, began seeing the ugly mistreatment of African immigrants at the border there in Ukraine, you know, I said something I said online, it's like, an emotional switch flipped off for us. It's like, oh, that's how you think about us? Then let me flip this switch off because I already have a hundred things that are pulling on me to care about. And I can't care about you if you actually hate us. And, and what I've come to understand is that Ukraine and Poland have racism like the United States has racism. Like the United States is a, an overtly racist place, and we have overtly racist people in our government, overtly racist people in our military, and we damn sure have overtly racist people in our police forces. And I implore all of us to not throw away an entire country because we do see the real racist people there in that country, even in government office. Like, literally, think. Think of who, our, who and what our nation is, okay? And the bottom line is what Russia is doing is wrong. They had no right, and they still have no right to invade this sovereign nation. And, and what they are doing there, I've seen now what they're doing, those are war crimes and, uh, and shame on them. It's a complex situation, though, when there are other people and communities that we care about and we sometimes see those people being mistreated by these strangers that we now are speaking up for. So we're still 
we're still processing how we how we think about it and how we deal with it. But um, yeah, God God bless everybody who's there trying to help and make a difference. Listen, I've got to run. I hope you're doing really, really well during these difficult times. God bless you. And please, if you're not yet a member of the North Star, go now to the northstar.com and join today. You can join for as little as eight bucks. You can cancel at any time. You don't have to contact anybody. You can cancel. You can start your membership or cancel right there on the platform at the northstar.com. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist, Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Mom.